November 7th. I'm a month Aha! November 7th. Uh, and welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight we have some super awesome guests. We have Rob Feldman, creator of the Dr. Shroud web series. And he's going to have to explain this to me because I'm not exactly sure how it works. This, this guy, Dr. Shroud, is a plastic surgeon slash vampire slash vampire hunter, I think. Yeah. It's very cool, though. I really like the animation style, so check that out at drshroud.com. We also have Travis back with us a little later on with the Granite State Skeptics with his results from his ghost hunting expedition. I don't think yeah. they found any ghosts. Uh... It's kind of disappointing, but... Hey, any unexplained phenomena are good are good for me. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I think they have some explained phenomena. From what I understand, they recreated a lot of a lot of phenomena that has been posted as proof of ghosts, like mm -hmm. orbs and fog. And they they're gonna tell us how they were able to recreate this using simple camera tricks that may fool fool the uh, beginner photographer. So we look mm. forward to that. But first, maybe maybe a little bit on television and movie news and then we'll have our our trivia question tonight in which we're giving away issues one through five of the sky pirates comic books courtesy of free lunch comics yes so we met at boston Fabulous. comic con we we love them we have so yeah. much stuff from them i just want to say <laughs> look forward to it because first of all their art is amazing and they are so cool. They are such cool people. I can't even express in words how awesome they are. And they're so supportive <laughs> of us. We have a holiday bundle from them. They actually have a Sky Pirates like calendar for the new year and, and a Christmas sort of themed journal, I guess, or a sketchbook. It's just a blank notebook. So we have that coming up around Christmas time for our holiday prize pack. And we have so much stuff to give away from them. But this week, it's issues one through five of Sky Pirates. So, Excellent. If you haven't read them, they're pretty awesome. Nice. Now, comic books, comic books. Wow. It's, I've been trying to get into comic books, and wow, there's a lot of stuff out there. Sky Pirates is definitely one of the things that's on my radar. Cool. You know what, Java? At some point, we got to fly you out here for Comic-Con. Absolutely. You know, come April, guys, donate to Java's Comic-Con fund. <laughs> <laughs> you can grab a plane and join us for Comic-Con because yes. we just had so much fun. We actually brought him in via a video link for a little bit during Comic-Con. And hopefully we'll be able to do the same thing during the fan experience yeah. next weekend. We'll see. But um, that was super fun. You know, we were scaring people left and right. I got it. Java, I gotta say, I'm sorry, cause like I remember stumbling in at like 8 a.m. or something, and like I walk in, and there you are on a video screen, like the Jetsons, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> and it was only like like three hours after you'd left, and I'm like, oh my god, I just looked at someone who's like three time zones away. That's so awesome. We live so, in an amazing time. Science fiction is coming true all around us, and we barely is. even know it. But I have to say that the science fiction that is now um, being portrayed on the silver screen and on the home TV screen is amazing. Um, I've just recently caught up with Fringe. Uh, they had their uh, latest episode, which after a couple weeks being dormant, they, they came back. And what a great episode. Um, completely drew me in. Uh, for those of you who have been watching Fringe, uh, it's a show that deals with the idea of a fringe type of science on the outskirts of regular normal science and uh, the characters are great and the plot twists that they throw in every week uh, amazing 
Now, I have a confession to make, actually. My confession is that I only started watching Fringe because my girlfriend really likes Joshua Jackson. <laughs> and I do not share her love of Joshua Jackson, but I was like, yeah, okay. Kind of lame, but I guess I'll watch it. But the show has, like, consistently, like, grabbed me. And I think some of the acting is just fantastic. Like, Walter, he is amazing. He's a great mad scientist. Absolutely. And, and yeah. you know, for, for a show that's been on, they're going into their, they're in their second season right now. Um, they consistently bring in new plot elements, new twists. And, and whereas there's a, there's a constant theme throughout the, all the shows, you can pick up anywhere and just enjoy an episode with all kinds of weird occurrences that can't be explained by our current understanding of um, the universe. And right. it, it's just the characters lend to the overall mystique of the show. You never quite know what's going on, and it's never fully explained, but it, it's very intriguing, I have to say. Yeah. And, you know, I think That's... they found, like, the most creative way to kill off a main character. Absolutely. The, Spoiler um... alert. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but it, it's definitely a spoiler, but the, the character of Olivia Dunham's partner, FBI oh. partner. Ooh, man. Now, uh, now you've done it. It's okay, just, we said spoiler alert. We did, Anyone we did say shut their ears. The, the spoiler alert, um, you know, the, the character was, you know, kind of mediocre for the, most of the first season, and, you know, he was there and around, and he was doing things, but... I, I found him to be a much more interesting character once they brought in, um, you know, the the idea that he had been replaced by another entity. I thought that that was a really interesting plot twist, and um, I think that you know he had a good run, especially after that occurrence. Uh, who's opening the barn door in the background there? Uh, that's me. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of which, you know, house portion portion of the show. <laughs> it's it's a late night uh, cow milking. I am here in Indiana, so. I was gonna I say? say, have we gone? We switched over to Smallville now. <laughs> one of my one of my one of my horses is <laughs> is foaling, so I had to. Really? <laughs> no, I live in an apartment <laughs> in a city. <laughs> I do have horses, though. It, it, it's Indiana. What can I say? How, how else am I supposed uh, to get to work? Oh, yeah. It's true. It's true. Anyway, so yeah, Fringe is having a great season. I think even better yeah. than last season. And I find it compelling because it takes place in Boston. And I live in Boston. And there was an episode a few weeks ago where they were, like, looking for an apartment. And they were they said, hey, there's this one in Oak Square. And I was like, well, I live in Oak Square. <laughs> it's kind of compelling. Yeah. I mean, I guess not a lot of things are set in Boston. But it totally changes the tone of a show when you're like, they could be down the street. Oh yeah, I always love that uh, when they when they do it. It's just when they don't do their homework, and they start to say things like, "And they went to Nashua, New Hampshire," and I'm like, "Where?" <laughs> uh, you mean they've Nash been pretty good Nashua? about that, though. They've been, yeah. they've been pretty yeah. good. They've been pretty faithful. I, I think these oh, yeah. tax breaks in Massachusetts um, for for video producers, I guess, have been really great to stimulate the boston-based films and you know and that's and that's been true for everywhere we're, we're so used to shows being produced out on the west coast and to see a show set in boston or new york is is interesting and boston Let's, is creepy it's the perfect setting for this type of thing i mean where else do you have all these like really super old churches and buildings and landmarks i mean you just don't get that on the west coast absolutely yeah Another show that, that attempts that mystique um, of an older city is Sanctuary. I'm, I'm trying to catch up on Sanctuary. I do have some beef with the show right now, but um, it's the second season of Sanctuary has sort of, I don't know, uh, staled for me a bit. I think it's mostly due to the fact that they're no longer showing new episodes on Hulu right after they're aired on Sci-Fi. Um, and that's my major beef. I, I haven't um, 
I haven't been able to keep up on the series because they're not showing the new episodes nearly as consistent consistently as they did first season. Hmm. Well, you can well, always do the 10-minute chunks on YouTube. <laughs> true. I can always do that. But, I have um, to say that Sanctuary staled for me in the first season, but I really like the sort of steampunk atmosphere that they created after the first couple episodes. But I think, you know, in traditional sci-fi manner, it's a show they don't care about, so could have been done better. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I think that the new season is starting to get... Uh, I just wa finished watching, just before the show ended, I, I finished watching the fourth, fourth episode. And um, it, it seems like they're going back into the monster of the week, you know, trying to find, you know, the abnormals that are out there in the world, um, which is what I was really interested in in the first season. The last few episodes of the, of the first season were kind of caught up in the uh, cabal kind of timeline. And I, w I didn't find that nearly as interesting um, as, as, I, uh, as I found the Monster of the Week stuff. But it seems like they're getting back into the swing of this, um, you know, every week is a new monster. So we'll see if it'll continue to hold my interest. Um, not quite sure about the whole thing. And that's the, other, that's the other thing with Fringe, is that the episodic nature of the show is really rare for a science fiction show. I mean, most writers feel like they need these really long story arcs to have any sort of meaningful story, but I think Fringe really does episodic very well. I mean, you're not going to know all the details of what's going on if you haven't seen the backstory, but you're not going to be totally lost. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they do have a meaningful story arc going on, even if it's not, you know, any one specific episode focusing on it. Well, let me ask you this. Which do you feel works more? Do you think it's better to have long story arcs or to have individual uh, stories? I think it really depends on the show. I think they both can work really well, but I think that not a lot of writers understand, maybe, how to do the sort of episodic nature of Fringe well enough to pull it off. Or they're scared of it. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not a writer. I don't. I don't know any TV writers. <laughs> I, this is my own speculation. Right. But it it must be difficult. I mean. You know, I think I think it really is difficult to have a show like that. Uh, the the Battlestar Galactica sort of um, ethos has kind of invaded science fiction over the past few years, and I think a lot of writers and producers are under the impression that sci-fi fans really want those, you know, epic stories that, that go over a, over a whole season, mm -hmm. which is true to some point. Um, but if you go too far into the, into the large story arc, you have something like Heroes, which has completely lost my interest. I stopped watching yeah. way early on in the series because, to be perfectly honest, I didn't care about any of the characters. They switched around so much that there was no way for me to develop an ethos for any of the characters. And, yeah. you know, I think, that, I think that in order to appeal to a broad audience, they're trying to do that story arc type of, uh, of production that really doesn't fit well with the vast majority of a television audience. I think you have a different kind of, uh, of situation when you're talking about a movie or a book mm. or um, even comic books. So I think that also um, lends to the sort of perceived inaccessibility of science fiction because when you have such long story arcs, if someone might be interested in the show, not know much about it, but then if they think, oh, well, I have to watch like three seasons of this show. For me, personally, I'm like, sweet, three seasons of the show, I don't have to like wait a week between episodes, that's awesome. But for other people, that's really daunting. See, I don't think that's the case anymore, especially with Netflix. I mean, I've, I've talked to people who are like, they don't even have cable television anymore. They're like, I have a computer and I have Netflix. I can watch any series I want to. I don't think that's an average person, though. I know. True. Well, I, I mean, for example, uh, we don't have average listeners. <laughs> I'm sure all of our listeners are extraordinary, but all of our <laughs> listeners are already science fiction fans, most likely. So, I mean, they won't be daunted by something like that. But I'm right. thinking someone who's not necessarily into the genre 
but is interested in one show may be, you know, deterred from getting into it because of the baggage that a show is carrying. Whereas with Fringe, they might be able to watch, like, a couple of episodes and then be like, wow, this is really cool. Maybe now I want to go back and figure out, you know, those couple yeah. places where I wasn't getting everything, what was going on there. True. And, you know, one of the, the most enjoyable science fiction experiences I'm having right now is, is working my way through the Stargate episodes, um, the original SG-1 episodes, because, you know, I don't have to feel, I, I don't feel like I need to keep up because all of the seasons, at, at least as far as I know, are on Hulu. So, you know, if I want to watch something that I can sit down for 45 minutes and watch an episode, I just throw on Hulu desktop and buzz out a couple of, uh, of Stargate SG-1 episodes, and I'm completely, you know, mollified by that, by that experience. Which, by the way, Stargate SG-1, one of the best episodic uh, sci-fi series I've ever watched for television. So, you know, thinking about really? it a little more, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this isn't more like the fringe type of episodic but story arc at the same time, if it isn't more of a sort of British construction, because I'm thinking about Doctor Who and Torchwood, mm -hmm. and they sort of do the same thing. They're accessible, you can watch an episode and not have to really know what's going on, but at the same time, there is a point to each season, and there's an overarching storyline, but then... Generally, maybe one or two episodes is only devoted to the overarching storyline. True. So, I, I think don't know. I, by the way, well, I, I think we're about a month out from the next Doctor Who uh, special. Yes, I'm we are. I'm dreading it. I, I am, too. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, haven't, I, I, I only well, watch the Doctor Who kind of thing a couple of days before the episode, and I'm in, in anticipation. So I have no idea what's happening with this next episode. I'm really excited about it, though. Yeah. I anticipate oh. tears. Well, let's, let's move on to some of the more uh, things that have happened this week in sci-fi. Um, or before the show, we were just saying how this has been the week of Whedon here. There's been yeah. a lot of Joss Whedon stuff happening in the news this week. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your news? Okay, Summer Glau? Me, two for you. Yeah, okay. Summer Glau... Mm -hmm insanely hot okay she is going to be on dollhouse which stars yes. eliza dutchku also insanely hot do not miss this that's all i can say it cannot fail to be awesome uh will amy ackerby coming back as well i don't know but i really hope so oh. wow I let me tell amy let me acker mm. dollhouse every episode i see i'm drawn in like you know some other shows i can walk away you know get a soda or, or, you know, something yeah. come back. But Dollhouse, when I sit down to watch Doll, Dollhouse, I am completely there. It always manages to draw me in completely. And so my second bit of Whedon-esque news is that Joss's son, Zach, has a one-shot comic of a Dr. Horrible prequel, I believe, coming out very soon, possibly this weekend or next weekend, something like that. Yes, I've seen, I've seen a, a hype about that on the internet. And uh, that sounds really interesting. Uh, in fact, it, it, for those of listeners out there who are sci-fi fans and have friends who are not sci-fi fans, uh, Dr. Horrible is a great way to get them into the genre. Uh, I, I, I introduced it to a friend of mine this past week, and she thought it was amazing because it is. Um, yeah. And, you know, it manages to be that... Whedon-esque type of uh, funny and yet also endearing um, type of writing, and I really look forward to the comic and to see uh, to see what his son has to do with it. Be hard to do the music. Mm. <laughs> and, I, and I believe they have another Doctor Horrible sort of episode arc. Something is in production. I, I read part of a Nathan Fillion interview. He's in for it. There are songs being written. It's going to be exciting. That's all I can say. Yeah. And so, you know, what did you have? One may thing I I'll... say, and this is not on sci-fi uh, uh, stuff, but I just watched Castle. Oh, we were talking about Castle last week when you were gone. I love Castle. We all love Castle. It's not sci-fi, but you know what? It is just so awesome that I, I don't think we can not talk about it. 
the Halloween episode with uh, Nathan Fillion in his uh, Mal Reynolds costume. Oh, epic. I related that entire scene on Halloween. It was just... <laughs> it was fan service. Pure and simple. Everyone wanted it. And the writers were just like, you know what? Let's throw them a freaking bone. <laughs> and Castle's daughter was, was said, you know, that was five years ago. Can't you just let it go? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love Alexis. She is really awesome. You know, the supporting characters in that show are just so well written that um, they really don't feel like secondary characters. Not at all. You really get to know them in ways that you, you might not, for instance, like Charlie from Fringe. You, you don't care about Charlie. He's just Olivia's dumb partner who doesn't get what's going on. But, like, all the secondary characters in Castle are really... They have a lot of depth, and they're very interesting, and they feel like real people. Hmm. Anyway, moving on. Anyways, moving on. Uh, the other Joss Whedon news. Um, well, uh, did everyone see that uh, his little offer to uh, the Fox Network to buy the Terminator franchise? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for I saw that. $10,000. <laughs> He's spectacular. Which, you know, I loved it. I loved it. Well, I think I found something that's maybe not so spectacular from him. That was the other Joss Whedon news this week, is that they released um, the Astonishing X-Men motion comic. Um, for those of you not familiar, Joss Whedon wrote an, um, a story arc for the X-Men a few years ago, uh, part of which was turned into the plot for the third X-Men movie with the whole mutant uh, cure and everyone is seeming in the comics biz is trying to get into, hey, people like computers, let's put comics online, and it's with moderate success. And so what they've done now is they've taken these actual comic panels, and they're basically kind of moving them around. And on one hand, it's kind of like, wow, it looks kind of like the Max cartoon from the 90s, which was a motion comic, and I thought it was the best version of it, but... I just see this as a big waste of money and time on Marvel's part. Has anyone else uh, here at the show seen this? I have not yeah. seen it, but you know what? I think that we should save this and move on because I think we could do a roundup of digital comic formats. I have a few in mind for the iPhone and for the desktop, but I, I think there are a lot of different outlets for comics and different ways to consume them. And I, I think we should, they're worth talking about. Absolutely. Um, like I said earlier, I'm trying to get into comics, and, and the, the idea of digitalized comics is really interesting. The, the problem really comes down to there's no efficient way to read them. So, so let, let's pause and save that, because I really want to go in-depth on that, but I also want to have time for our guests this week. Oh, is someone called in? Uh, well, they're both available right now, so let's, let's, what do you say, bring in Travis from the Granite State Skeptics. Okay. All right. Here he comes. I feel like we should have, like, call music or something. <laughs> Hi, Travis. Hello. All right. So what were your findings from your ghost hunting expedition? All right, so let's see. Um, we spent about two hours there. We didn't really find much of anything for actual evidence, so we so ended wait, up... remind me where you were again. Oh, yes, we were in uh, at the uh, Gosstown Historical Society in uh, Gosstown, New Hampshire. The, uh, the claims that were made that had been reported were... Um, well, there was uh, lights going on and off, which we've attributed to old wiring... Uh, there was silhouettes in the window that we attributed to, um, they had uh, dummies with period dress on, <laughs> which were located near the windows. <laughs> and then, uh, yes, that would do it. And then, um, what was some of the, um, there was, they built an addition on the historical society to house this train set they got. And the person that built the addition claims to have 
had conversations with Mr. Parker, the original owner of the building, back in the 1800s when it was a general store. So we didn't really find... What was that attributed to? Well, not really sure. We didn't really find anything that would have caused anybody to think that. Um, There's been speculation with other hauntings where it's been uh, attributed to low frequencies caused by heating ducts and things like that. So, um, but we didn't find anything like that at the Historical Society. So after we did a whole sweep of the building and checked everything and did what we could do, we started to try and recreate some of the pictures we found from other people that have looked at the site. So one of them was ghost orbs, which we got two different kinds. Um, One was due to a kind of lens flare effect um, with the... um, What would happen was, I'm trying to explain it since you can't see a picture right now, um, if you take a a photo and in the bottom left-hand corner there's a light bulb. One of the people that was with us took a picture of the ceiling. In the upper right-hand corner, there was this green, weird blob. But if you took the blob and did a circle around it on its own layer and then flipped that layer over horizontally and then vertically, it showed up directly on top of the light bulb, which is interesting. So I had a conversation with two professional photographer friends of mine, and they also attributed to a lens flare type of effect that would happen in the lens of the camera. Now, the one thing that was really interesting about the normal orbs, which are generally caused by dust particles, was that I was using my camera, which was a more expensive digital SLR, and I didn't get any orbs at all. But the other person was using a cheap point-and-shoot digital camera, and they got tons of orbs. So So after doing some experimentation and testing, what we... Our, our hypothesis is, and we haven't really tested this outside of the uh, the historical society building, is, is that because the flash is closer to the lens, that the bounce back is more direct, so it's more likely to show up on the picture. Hmm. Yeah. So we're going to do some more testing with that, hopefully in the coming weeks, and see if we can recreate it with, uh, we're going to try testing it with some string with knots in it and stuff like that. Cool. So you thoroughly Mm -hmm. debunked all of the evidence except for the guy who was talking to the... The owner. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, it was a good time. They have a lot of great stuff there. Um, It was was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll probably do it again sometime. So you can see all the pictures from the investigation where? Uh, If you go to granitestateskeptics.org, currently the top story is our preliminary findings report. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a link to my gallery, which has my pictures, and uh, Kitty's gallery, one of the other people that was with us, uh, and it's a link to her pictures. Her pictures have the orb, mine do not. And and there's some creepy stuff in there. There's skeletons. Yes. There's, there's dust. There are cobwebs. There's a, a room that has a bunch of mannequins in it all over the floor, which looks really creepy. Huh. And mannequins in the window, which cause people to think that there are ghosts in the window. Yes. You know, yeah. it's an explanation. That'll, that'll, you know, it's a good one. That'll do yeah. it. Well, thank you for sharing the results of your investigation. We hope to have you guys on again in the future. All right. And uh, just a reminder that we have our meetings the um, second Monday of every month. So that's this upcoming Monday at uh, Millie's Tavern in Manchester, New Hampshire. So if you want to join the Granite State Skeptics, Millie's Tavern, Manchester, New Hampshire, what time again? Uh, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. second Monday of every month. Okay, great. Thanks so much, Travis. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. So oh, that was that was great results, and that was really cool how they sort of found out that, you know, the cheaper cameras are more likely to have orbs because you know 
Amateur ghost hunters, that's what they're likely to have, I think. Yeah. Uh, it kind of breaks your heart, though, to hear this, but I think it's very important to get the skeptics' uh, point on everything. As much a fan of the supernatural as I am. <laughs> well, we uh, have the skeptics' point. I'm a huge skeptic. Did you not know that about me? And, uh, I don't think you believe in anything. <laughs> but well, speak you'd be right. Well, that's true. But speaking of the supernatural, uh, we have another guest, correct? We do. We have Rob Feldman, who is the creator of the fantastic Dr. Shroud web series. I guess, is that what you call it? Is it a web series? They're, they're a series of videos, animated shorts, perhaps? Help me out here, X. Oh, I thought you were talking to to Rob here. <laughs> no, I haven't brought him into oh. the call yet. Oh. This is, this is a... Why, well, yes, I... This is his I've... introduction. I'm introducing him before I bring him in. So well. if you go to drshroud.com, <laughs> that's drshroud.com. Yes. And uh, I'll, I'll bring Rob in now. How about that? <laughs> Fair enough. Let me get him. Hi, Rob. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? Yes, uh -huh. I can hear you just okay. fine. Welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I well, thanks very much. I am. Um, uh, I'm getting a a big delay here. I don't know. Hmm. Can yeah. can you hear me right now in live time or? I think so. I'm. I am. Coming uh -huh. in fine. Oh, okay. I, I keep hearing myself back like uh, there's something screwy here. If, if you don't have uh, headphones on, that can cause an echo. Oh, uh, I think it's the ghost didn't like the skeptics. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, just on par for our technical difficulties tonight. Yes. Oh. Rob, uh, this is uh, this is Illustrator X here. Uh, I'm I actually met you at the New York, New York Comic Con back in February, and I got to say, New York Comic Con there is what sixty seventy thousand people walking down there. There is every kind of distraction imaginable, and yet your booth I could, I had to stop and turn around and go back and check out Doctor Shroud because it just looked so cool and so unique. Um, I and I checked out the, the show and I fell in love with it. But could you just give our listeners a brief synopsis of uh, what Doctor Shroud is and and the storyline in general? You know, I I heard all of that that you just said, but I'm getting such a bad echo. Can we? Can I? I call you back. Sure, we we can have we can bring you right back in in just a second. Just ping when you're ready, okay? All right, we can try this again. All right, thanks. All right, let's try this again. Sorry, folks, for the technical difficulties. All right. Try again. Actually, we've got to do the trivia question as well. It's well, We're overdue for that. All fine right. time for the trivia question. Let's try bringing Rob back in here. Rob? Okay. Let's see. How are we now? Have we got you? Oh, are you listening to our live stream on Ustream or TalkShow? Oh, yes, I am. So if you mute that, you will not hear yourself. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, am I an idiot. <laughs> no, no, it's a common... I've done it before, frequently. I'm wondering... I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, uh, either I'm going crazy or... I don't understand what's going on. It's like the... calling into a real live radio show. If you have it on, you get feedback and echoing. It's crazy. And you know, you always hear people are always warned. You know, you listen to Howard Stern or you listen to some of these radio shows, and they always say, "Make sure you shut your radio off." You know, you never know what they're talking about. But uh, now I do. So anyway, <laughs> hello, thank you. Wow. Uh, I was so freaked out. I'm sitting here sweating, uh, thinking, wow, the technological idiot. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so I, I thank you very much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for joining us. Oh, We're pleasure. really excited to have you. So can you just give our listeners a little bit of the backstory of Dr. Shroud? Because it's really interesting. 
Yeah, uh, Dr. Shroud is um, it's an animated series that's on the internet. It's also on mobile devices. And it's about a reformed vampire turned plastic surgeon whose daughter's abducted by uh, a bunch of vampire uh, nasties, I guess. And he regresses back to his vampire form and sets out to find her. Um, so it's, you know, it combines elements of, um, you know, sort of B-movie um, horror stuff that I grew up on, um, the Hammer films and a bunch of other ones that are they're just uh, they're just really great that we that my wife luckily is a fan of as well, so we watch quite a few of them, um, and also every sort of pop culture influence uh, that you know came from the 70s, I sort of combine into this series, but at the heart of it is is a real story about a guy who. Um, is really uh, stuck between worlds that he can't um, sort of fit into any of them. So he's doing what he thinks is best in trying to uh, you know, identify and, and wear this vampire disguise and fit in with the humans. So, yeah, that's... Can, can you tell me about the vampire mythology of your series? Because so it seems like he was a vampire and then he wasn't. So how does that work? Yeah, um, the you know you watch all these vampire. You know we're in the age of the vampire. I've been in the age of the vampire for you know the past thirty years, and so you you see so much lore out there, so many twists on it and everything. But I, I think the thing that everybody, um, you know, I would imagine any writer. You know, they do take uh, some liberties with it. But in this particular instance with Doctor Shroud. Um, the vampire lore is within the town of Necropolis is primarily viral. Um, and so a lot of the mythology or at least the spiritual component doesn't really come into play um, as much. Though the mystical elements of the strength and uh, how the sun affects them and um, you know his sort of ability to turn into a bat and all that has a very big uh, part in it. So. You know, I, I really don't stick to any one particular thing. A lot of it, though, is influenced by, you know, the B-movies and definitely not so much, um, you know, literal vampire lore, but the, the pop culture uh, interpretation of it. Cool. That's awesome. Now, you've been doing this for a few years, right? I've been doing it for, yeah, a long time. Uh, Dr. Shot initially started out, and I think very few people know this, um, in 1998 as a small press comic book. Yeah, I have to stop you here for a second because I want to do our trivia question, which is Dr. Shroud related, and I want to make sure we don't give away the answer inadvertently. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> you can a minute. So, so this week we're giving away issues one through five of Sky Pirates, courtesy of Andrew Lunch Comics. And, and the trivia question, question which you can answer by logging into our website, website and leaving a comment, comment on the post that I am about to post. The trivia question in it is what is the name of the first animated Dr. story arc? So if you go to drshroud.com, you can find it. But it's not necessarily in front of you. So, so take a peek, visit his website, 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 you know, you know click, click around, see what you can find, find, and enter for a chance to win Sky Pirates 1 through 5. All right, anyway, continue, please. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, hey, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's actually, you know, there is a, <laughs> there is a, uh, a, a series that, that um, well, it's, not the, uh, I might think this, uh, uh, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but there's a series that was really never released. It was, it was really short. It had a very short life on the internet. Um, and it, I was, it was my first experimentation with flash animation. And uh, in hindsight, it was pretty terrible, called Attack of the Draculoids. Um, and at the time when Dr. Shroud started on the internet, or launched on the internet, um, I had it where people could vote on the storyline. So essentially they would, you know, watch the episode and then decide what happened next. And, um, you know, as you can imagine, with that sort of uh, approach, there, it, it, the story really didn't make a lot of sense after a while. Um, but the, 
Attack of the Draculoids is a pretty cool concept. So that was actually the really the first one, and there were five episodes of that. Um, but I never really want to look at them ever again, much like the comic book. Um, <laughs> you know, you look at your older stuff and you say, you think to yourself, uh, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but um, I'm glad I did. Oh, so that's the mark of an artist. Every five years, you can look back and go, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> And you know it's funny about that also is that when you look back every five years and when you when you look back and you go you know what that's not that bad you know you're making progress you know so oh yeah I, you know so um, so what made you decide to make the leap to animation well when I when I self published you know you had maybe uh, <laughs> you know I was in all these small press zines and it was one of those things where. I was doing it all for myself, and I just sort of wanted to get this idea out. As everybody starts with comic books, they always want to make a feature film, and yeah, uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's sort of how it started. I, I thought, okay, well, let's just make a comic book. This is a comic book idea. Let's just take it. Um, and so, I was able to break even with all you know with these four issues, which is sort of unheard of at the time, especially since uh, the comic book market at that time in 1999 was becoming so oversaturated. It, yeah, everybody had an indie book, uh, and yeah. it was just nobody was getting distribution, and it was just too much. So with the internet, I thought uh, I started to get my feet wet with Flash a little bit. Nobody was really doing it. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. There were a lot of people doing it, but um, I sort of thought it was a great way to get it, move the property to um, to the internet. Because why have hundreds of fans when you could have potentially hundreds of thousands? You know, um, right. so that was the big that was the big thing. And then and then I thought I could produce a lot more and, and you know everything else. I think we all have that from time to time. I always think I can do more than I actually can. <laughs> yeah. I have I, to say, as someone who is not, who, who had no idea what Dr. Shroud was before they, they told me about um, you coming on this week, uh, I, I went to your site and I watched the episode one. It's a world premiere, new Dr. Shroud episode. I was really drawn in by the, the character of Dr. Shroud, um, not knowing anything about him. Uh, I, the the episode that's on your website right now kind of seems to deal with a lot of his backstory. Um, how did you come up with the character of Doctor Shroud? Um, yeah, I was. Um, yeah, the, the new the new episode there does deal with a lot of backstory, and I, I there's there's a whole philosophy or reasoning behind uh, behind the episodes. But to address your question, um, I I was. Sitting there, and uh, you know, I've always been into comics and uh, you know, car animation. I say cartoons, and people get all over me about it. But um, animation, and you know, big TV uh, person. So um, I was sitting there drawing, and I thought of this character where you know his daughter's missing. I thought you know there hasn't really ever been a hero or a superhero or whatever where. Um, he has a family and the daughter's abducted and he has to do something about it. But I just didn't think that was enough. So um, I was I, – I thought, you know, I was a big fan of uh, just all, all you know, horror and vampires and everything. So I thought, why not just go all out and let's just combine everything I want into this one character, and so I threw in the vampire element, and it just sort of progressed one after you know one thing after another. And I think, um, you know, what it turned out initially seemed like a mess. You know, he had all this all this stuff going on. You know, he's a plastic surgeon, and but it it all just sort of fit nicely. And I thought, okay, yeah, we could I could work with this and really sort of build it up. You know. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's just sort of it. Just sort of hit me. A, a lot of the ideas just sort of they start out, and I think this is very usual. Um, they start out as one thing, and then you grow to like them more as you find reasons to like them as the story builds. And so it really does become you in many ways. Um, I have a couple other properties that I'm working on, and they all started out sort of. That's the, I guess that's the reason why they say it's half baked. 
you know, because it really does have to bake. It's really got to, you know, um, stew for a while before it becomes something. And I have a quick announcement. We have a trivia winner already, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The first installment of the Dr. Shroud series is Dr. Shroud in the Alley of the Dolls. That's right. Congratulations to Mark D.B. Oh, cool. (laughs) The, um, yeah, Alley of the Dolls. That was, you you were talking earlier, I was listening to, uh, I was listening to some of the show earlier, and uh, talking about the new Marvel uh, motion comics. Um, And it's funny how these concepts are revisited over and over. Uh, They had done it back in, you know, back in the 2000s, you know, early, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And again, Flash was, you know, part of the reason they were able to do that. And that's, that's initially what Dr. Shroud started out as, was a motion comic. Um, and a friend of mine said, and that's what Alley of the Dolls parts one and two are. And I'm sitting there and I was showing my friends and they said, well, why don't you add voices? And I thought, uh, well, that's that's not the idea. It's a motion comic. And, <laughs> you know, like that was yeah. – and Broken Saints, if you're familiar with that, started around the same time. And they were – they stuck with that concept of the motion comic. So these these ideas get revisited. You know, history repeats itself. The reason why these – the motion comics are now being revisited is because of mobile. And, you know, to read those, you know, on the screen – they have to be panel by panel, and you have they have to have big words. I think the most effective use of that was Stephen King's uh, latest um, release through Simon and Schuster. It was a mobile comic drawn by the guy who had done uh, uh, some of the heroes art. And um, oh, Tim Sale. Yes, I think so. Who we saw at Comic Con. Yes. Yeah, yeah and. Um, and what they did is instead of using – and this is sort of really where it's going, I think, with respect to mobile. Um, they use voiceovers and music with the static panels. And when that is used, when you add audio to it, from my perspective, you don't know. You can't remember if it's animated or not. Like the old Marvel cartoons, that's what's really you know, the idea um, behind Flash initially right. you know, is that zero graphic technique. Um, it was just Xeroxes over Kirby's art, but uh, it, was, it was great. It really worked, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, what's the what's the future hold for Doctor Shroud? You've just released a new episode. Uh, you know, how soon till we get another one? Um, shortly. We uh, right now. Um, uh, uh, okay. Short, you know, shortly tomorrow, or shortly eighteen <laughs> months from now. <laughs> I'm, I'm very vague about shortly. Um, no, they, <laughs> it, it takes a while to build. Luckily, we did all the pre-production stuff up front with uh, regard to the assets being built and all the art and everything else. So um, we're, I'm working on it now, doing the animatics, and then um, hoping to get a uh, January 1 release um, sometime around there. Excellent. I'm working on another project now um, with um, – Someone from MTV, which is cool. And then um, I'm also working with the company that work, that um, distributes the uh, Dr. Shroud for mobile. And um, there's also some feature film stuff going on, which is sort of really exciting and cool. But it's a real, you know, you just bite your nails all the time, you know, wondering if they're going to like it. Are they going to like it? Um, but we've had some really good interest there, which is – it's been phenomenal. Um, there's this video on YouTube, which is sort of cool, uh, of Ted Hope. It's a Ted Hope tribute. <laughs> and uh, to the left of him is our Dr. Shroud action figure while he's being interviewed. So it's sort of cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's pretty excellent. Well, keep us posted. We would love to announce on the show when new – New episodes come out, new projects launch. Keep definitely keep us in the loop. I will definitely. You know, we I I wanted to release these things boom, 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 one after the other. But you know, with the time that I have, and also with the animators that work with us and everything, um, you know, it just uh, I don't know. It's I wanted to be more strategic strategic about it, but um, now it's just a matter of getting them all out. You know, the bulk of the work's done, but. But I will definitely keep you updated 
I love your show. Your show's great. Well, I'm, thank you. Uh, oh. Yeah, I'm gonna listen uh, listen to it more. I, I, I yeah, thanks. I, I tuned in uh, earlier, and I it's one of those things I wanted to call in about the uh, about the X Men comic book and talk about that. Well, you uh, certainly can. I I just want to announce that anyone can call in if you have a question. Go on our website. There are a couple ways to interact with us. You can click on in the how to interact bubble, the chat which will bring you right directly to our chat room where you can see Illustrator X, Awake by Java, and I are all sitting in a chat room waiting to hear from you. Or if you listen to us via TalkShoe instead of Ustream, I have the TalkShoe console up, and you can ask questions in that panel, and I can answer them. And if you have a TalkShoe login or a telephone, you can actually join the call via TalkShoe. So if you'd like to do that, just send me a message in there, and we can work something out. Cool. Ah, the future is now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much. Thank you oh, thank very you. much. Thank you. Looking forward to the new Dr. Shroud. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Uh... Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. That's all right. We will definitely talk to you later and keep us posted. All right? All right. Thanks. Have a good night. Right. You too. You too. Bye-bye. 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 Well, that was excellent. That was so much fun. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the future is really going on all around us, and uh, the fact that we can have an artist on like uh, Rob who does some amazing stuff, that's really great. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we've had so much support from everyone that we've met, be it at Granite Con or Comic Con or people who have just heard about us in email. Yeah. You know, we've had amazing donations of all these prizes you may think you know oh they have prizes but these are donations from our sponsors because they believe in what we're doing here yes and i don't think there's any better way to show your support than you know being mm. willing to donate a prize or come on the show because you know it's it's just so excellent to talk to these people who do all these amazing things Oh, absolutely. And again, if anyone listening has any comments about our guests, too, uh, about the guests we've just interviewed, by all means, give us, our, give us your feedback. Who do you want to have as guests? Let us know. What do you think of the guests we've had on? And uh, who, again, was our sponsor tonight, Kriana? It was Free Lunch Comics and specifically the Sky Pirates. So congratulations again to Mark D.V., who won issues one through five of Sky Pirates. Yay. Hooray. <laughs> and uh, I think we should just about wrap it up for tonight. Good show, everybody. Yeah. You're here. All right. So thanks for listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It is Saturday, November 7th. And I'm not the dome, so this is Kriana saying live long and prosper, I guess. This is Illustrator X saying we will see you all at the New England Fan ex- Experience next Saturday down in uh, somewhere in Massachusetts. Boston. It's in Boston. Nefanx.com. And, uh, I went by Dove saying, have a good night. Stay safe.